This is uh, from the Shiroku case 98. Dongshan's always close. Introduction. Zhu Feng, cutting off his tongue, made a sequel to Shishuang. Kaoshan, cutting off his head, didn't turn away from Dongshan. The ancient saying was so subtle. Where is the teaching or the technique to help others? The case. A monk asked Dongshan, Among the three Buddha bodies, which one does not fall into any category? Dongshan said, I am always close to this. The verse. Not entering the world, not following conditions. In the emptiness of the part of ages, there is a family tradition. White duckweeds breeze gentle, evening on the autumn river. In ancient embankment, the boat returns, a single stretch of haze. So last week, last weekend, our Sashin, all of us felt that it was a very powerful event. And many of us still feel that the collective energy we cultivated, created together, still reverberates through many of us. You know, planning Sashins required a lot of detail, work, on many facets, many aspects ahead of time and during the session itself. Now most of this work takes place behind the scenes to minimize distractions and then to create a tight container so we can develop deep level of samadhi, deep meditative concentration, develop, maintain throughout the Sushin. Of course, there's the time and effort that each practitioner needs to put in in order to show up, take a break from our busy and demanding life. Right? And all of it, all of it is done so we can, and it's crucial actually, so we can create that gateway, so to speak, uh, entry point, portal, to what is so subtle and so difficult to get in touch with otherwise. No, and, and practice, what we call practice, traditional form of practice, is not extracurricular activity. It's not like anything else that we do in life. It's not like going to the gym or picking up some kind of a hobby that we enjoy doing on weekends. Although the mind, our, our thinking mind actually 
files it often or defines it as that in that way or as such it really is it has to be seen has to be understood as a practice that opens up the path for us so open opens up moment by moment experiences whatever the experiences may be so whatever we encounter whatever we do with the help of practice through practice we're able to see what ordinarily may not be available may not be possible and it's very important to to keep noting or to keep reminding ourselves the practice although it may appear to be demanding taking time away from other things we maybe don't want to do other activities it really is not a way to check out is a way to embrace deeply whatever it is we do in life it's a way to deepen rather than take us away so of course in actuality yes we do take few days and go away uh, to sishin yes that is true But then the question is how do we come back? So we we dive deeply and experience subtleties. Experience a more seamless reality. And then sushin ends. Zazen ends. We go back to dealing with what we are dealing with on a daily basis what has changed are we seeing experiencing a deeper reality or are we just going back to old habitual way of functioning and then sushin is filed away as an interesting memory interesting event i got through it but now it is in the rearview mirror getting further and further and further away from our sight you know and then a lot of things ha- take place in sushi and one of them and and people bring it up we don't talk obviously we don't talk in sushin this is one of the things that we keep up with we don't talk we don't make eye contact in the hallways we look down we put our hands in shashu together and we just mind our own practice constantly now of course when you when you come to sushin and you walk in front of somebody and there is no eye contact there is no there is a sense of when there is no eye contact and their words are not exchanged it is very easy to feel as if we are ignored as if this person i just walked by doesn't really care about me they're not saying anything they're not even smiling they're not looking this looks so serious and it's actually the opposite because we care deeply because we care deeply 
we allow each other, we allow ourselves and each other to devote the entire time and energy to looking within, to working with what arises, to paying attention. Because we love each other, we allow each other the space. So it is very natural to feel as if we are being ignored when somebody doesn't talk to us. And those are one of the many things that we have to deal with. We look at it. Is it really what's happening? We expand. We open up. And this is just a simple, small example, but this is how we have to meet our habitual way of thinking, how immediate. It comes up so quickly. But the question is, do we have to do anything about it? Do we have to believe that this thought or this emotion is actually representing reality as it is? So by, by being in that, that way, for each other or by functioning this way together, we actually give ourselves and each other the chance to, or, or the opportunity to learn to not believe what we think. To learn to question ourselves rather than take it all for granted or, well, of course, that's how it is, or be, make absolutes of Thoughts, opinions. Right? So it gives us a chance to, to work with the unknown and to raise the, the possibility that maybe I don't know what, maybe my thoughts are not a good representation of reality. Maybe there's another way. And then when the thoughts subside, if I allow them to subside, they subside, then what? Then what appears? And, and the other thing we're not doing for each other is we're not providing an escape route into conversations, into exchanging glances, into anything. So by not providing anything that we can latch onto, we are left with what we bring into Sishin. And we are allowed, we are given the, the gift of working with it. Of seeing how it arises and subsides unceasingly. And, and also seeing that while it arises and subsides, there is something else that's going on that typically we are unable to see because we are distracted. And so to continue in the vein of getting in touch this profound intimacy. I thought it would be good to bring up this koan about Dongshan's expression of subtlety. 
or subtle illumination as our tradition is, is known for. So in, in this case, monk asked Dongshan, which of the three Buddha bodies does not fall into any category? And Dongshan replied by saying, I am always close to this. And Dongshan, as you may know, 8th century China, is the founder of the Soto School of Zen, which is our, our, happens to be our tradition. <clears throat> and from an early age, Dongshan refused to get trapped in any categories or any definitions. And actually expressed an inquisitive and free spirit. So to shed light on what he's saying here, I'm always close to this, we can look at his own journey from inquiry to realization. So Dongshan got involved in Buddhist studies as a teenager. And at some point, as he was working on the Heart Sutra, as we chant today, he came to the sentence, there is no eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind. And he suddenly put his hand on his face and asked his teacher, I do have eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and so forth. How then can the sutra say that there is no such thing or are no such things? So his teacher was not quite ready to deal with such a direct question, oddly enough. So he sent him to, to search for a more appropriate teacher. And Dongshan set foot on the road. And the first teacher he visited was the famous Nanquan, disciple of Matsu. And the visit happened to fall on the eve of the anniversary of Matsu's death. So in preparation for the memorial ceremony, Nanquan asked his monks, tomorrow we will have Matsu's feast. We'll have a feast for Matsu's memorial. But will Matsu come or not? The monks were unable to answer. Dongshan, who happened to be there, stepped forward and said, if he has a companion, he will come. If he has a companion, he will come. Right? And when, you, when we look at Sashin and what we cultivate, what we work on in Sashin, there is this camaraderie, companionship, closeness, precisely because we don't talk, because we don't meet eye because we don't have exchanges. If he has a companion, he will show up. Well, it makes no sense, right? He passed away. This is a memorial ceremony. Yet it makes perfect sense. It makes no sense when reality is seen through discriminating consciousness. It makes perfect sense when we are reality itself, beyond time and space. So if he has a companion, he will come, Dongshan says. And Nanguan was profoundly impressed by the young visitors 
expression. So he remarked, although this man is still youth, he is excellent material to carve and polish. And when Dongchan heard this comment, he said, let, the, let not the venerable abbot debase a free man into a slave. The remarkable expression. Even to have the courage to answer this way, or to comment on the great Nanquan's remark. Being a novice, a beginner, somehow he knew So he expressed amazing spirit of independence at a young age. And at the same time, he wasn't bound by the spirit and was able to, or motivated, to go search for the right teacher and deepen his understanding. He wasn't arrogant or, or you know, feel like, well, I know what I'm talking about and I'm good to go. No. I am one with all things. I am the way I need to be. Yet at the same time, I'm going to find a teacher and I'm going to deepen. It's a great example for all of us as practitioners. You know, to study Zen in a, in a conducive way, we need to raise a deep sense of inquiry, have the courage to go against the grain, And be willing to be guided by a teacher, by a Dharma teacher. And those are all necessary ingredients. So we have to practice with strong trust that we are on the path of realizing Buddhahood rather than becoming a Buddha. very big difference in the way we study when we study from an understanding that we are practicing to realize and actualize rather than to become anything other than what we are right now as we chant the Hakuin song of Zazen from the beginning all beings are Buddha which is actually simply stating that although we may feel disconnected, incomplete, or damaged, from the beginning, there has never been a question about completeness and wholeness. But because there is a discrepancy between this statement and the way we feel, we need to practice. We need to deepen. We need to experience. We need to go to Sishin. We need to keep our mouth shut. We need to stop moving. We need to do all these things. Otherwise, we're going to keep speaking from and being moved by something in us that does not trust Buddhahood. And therefore, we act as not rather than as.
So it seems that Dongshan had this strong trust. So when he heard Nanquan saying, although this man is still youth and excellent material to, to carve and polish, he said, no, please do not debase a free man into a slave. And slaves we are. We are serving old habits, karma, mistrust, fears, a notion of not being complete, a notion of being somewhat damaged, a notion of others are better, or a notion of I'm better. notion of separation. So what he's saying is that we, we have to know that there is a need to study and deepen and at the same time know that nothing can be or needs to be carved or molded or reshaped to anything else. To understand that we must inquire and ask questions with an innate trust that everything is already exposed. I just don't see or feel it right now. But it's always exposed. So that completeness has to be brought out which means, in our case, in case of practitioners, that we have to look beyond or learn to work with our distractions, whatever they may be. So after this exchange with Nanquan, Dongshan visited another great master, Kui Shan, and inquired whether it is true that animate, sorry, inanimate things expound the Dharma. And if so, how is it that we do not hear their expounding? Inanimate things teach. How does a rock teach? Well, the question is, of course, what do we want to learn? Things teach by being, none other than what they are. Everything is already the way it is. Everything is in harmony with everything around it. How can the inanimate not teach, is the question. So he says, if so, how, can we, how is it that we don't hear their expounding? Uh, a question to put there, with what ear are you listening? So after some discussion with Kweshan, Kweshan finally said, the mouth which my parents gave me will never explain it to you. And this is how we want to hear. This is how we want to learn. So somewhat puzzled, he asked Kweishan whether he knew another master with him he can study. And Kweishan suggested Yunya, 
And Gongshan went to see him and immediately upon arriving asked, when the inanimate beings expound the Dharma, who can hear it? And Yunyan said, the inanimate can. And Dongshan, meaning the rock can hear itself expanding the Dharma. Dongshan then asked, do you hear? And Yunyan said, if I did, you would not hear my expounding the Dharma. Dongshan was still skeptical as to whether the inanimate beings could really expound the Dharma. Yunyan then raised his fly whisk, asking, do you hear this? That would be a good comparison. Do you hear this? Dongshan said, no, I do not hear this. Thereupon, Yunyan said, if you do not even hear my sermon, how can you expect to hear the sermon of the inanimate? And then he added, have you not read the Amitabha Buddha Sutra? Streams, birds, trees are all chanting Buddha and Dharma. This is one of the things I mentioned at Sashin. Now we sit down, we listen to Teisho, but we walked around the lake and communion with nature as it is, looking around silently, not exchanging words, not distracting ourselves from profound teachings that are all around us. So that's what that's saying. Streams, birds, trees, lakes, all of it is chanting the Buddha Dharma. So at that point, it says that Dongshan was made aware of the truth and composed a verse to record his experience. It says, how wonderful, how wonderful, the inanimate expounding the Dharma. What an ineffable truth. If you try to hear it with your ears, you will never understand it. Only when you hear it through your eye, you will really know it. So that's where the, the statement, where he's saying, we have to see through our ears and hear through our eyes. That's where it comes from. And in order to understand, to understand what that means, we have to step away from this continuous stream of consciousness, thought after thought after thought after thought, step away, step back from that, allow it to arise and vanish, and then get in touch with a subtlety that's always available. It's just covered up. So Union asked him, are you happy now, now that you have realized something or wrote a verse about it? And Dongshan said, well, I do not say that I'm not happy, but my happiness is like that of someone who has picked up a bright pearl from a heap of garbage. This bright pearl was in reference to his insight, and the heap of garbage was alluding to the habitual stream of thought, which was also present while he had encountered the Absolute. Realizing the Absolute is not yet enlightenment. 
was actually a beautiful, uh, rare expression of honesty. I'm not saying I'm not happy, it's just that, what about all that? Knowing that it's not gone. Distractions do not disappear. So after studying with Yunyan and then later on becoming his Dharma successor, Dongshan prepared to leave and Yunyan said, where are you going? Dongshan said, although I'm leaving the master, I don't know where I'll end up. Yunyan said, you're not going to Hunan? I think that was his place he came from. Dongshan said, no, I'm not. Are you returning home? Dongshan said, no. So Yunyan said, sooner or later, you'll return. And then Dongshan said, when the master has an abode, then I'll return. Yunyan said, if you leave, it'll be difficult to see each other again. Dongshan said, it will be difficult to not see each other. It will be difficult to not see each other. And again, back to Sishin. You know, when we function together in this way, not talking, not exchanging anything, right? Not looking at each other. And we dive deep into Samadhi. It is difficult to not feel everybody. It's deeply intimate. Quite amazing. So just when Dongshan was about to depart, he said, in the future, someone, if someone asked whether I describe the master truth or not, how should I answer? After a long pause, Yunyan said, tell them that just this is it. And Dongshan sighed. Then Yunyan said, worthy Liang, now that you have taken this great affair, meaning became a Dharma successor, you must consider it carefully. Dongshan continued to ex experience that. Later on, he crossed on, on his way, he crossed the stream, and he saw his reflection in the water and was awakened to Yunyan's meaning. And he then composed another verse, saying, Avoid seeking it elsewhere, for that's far from the self. Now I travel alone. Everywhere I meet it. I'm always close to this, right? Everywhere I recognize. Everywhere I see the distraction and I see through the distraction. Now it's exactly me. Now I am not it. Because it is beyond my existence my physical existence. It is beyond the moment I was born and the moment I will die. I am it. It is not me. And then the last line says, it must thus be understood to merge with thusness, suchness, things as they are.
So Dongshan says, I'm always close to this. As in, a resp- in response to the question, which of the three bodies of the Buddha does not fall into any category? And to understand the question, to look at what the three bodies of the Buddhas, of Buddha are. Mahayana Buddhism described three manifestations of the Buddha, or Trikaya. The Dharmakaya, the body of reality which encompasses all things as the truth itself, unborn, undying, beyond form and formlessness. The Sambhogakaya, the body of bliss or reward, which is referring to the state of at-one-ment, when a person attains realization and is living an awakened life. And the Nirmanakaya, the body of the Buddha as a person through which he expounded the Dharma and helped other beings realize themselves. And the commentary to this koan, Shishin Roshi brings up an analogy from medicine that illustrates the relationship between the three bodies. He says that the Dharmakaya is medical knowledge, the Sambhogakaya is the education that a doctor receives through which he or she realizes the knowledge of the Dharmakaya, and the Nirmanakaya is the act of utilizing this training to heal other people. It's an interesting way of referring to that. More simply, the Dharmakaya is wisdom, Sambhogakaya is the realization of wisdom, and the Nirmanakaya is utilization of wisdom. So which of these three does not fall into any category? And that's the question. But by raising a question, right, this, is some, this is an important part of Buddhist studies, but by raising that question, he himself, the monk, was creating a category to fall into. Or by harboring something in him that gave rise to this question. Because that thing that we harbor gives rise to many similar questions. Does it really help? Or does it only perpetuate that in us which doesn't trust, doesn't feel one with all things, doesn't see unity. So the monk was was seeing reality from a contracted position, and Dongshan replied from an expansive position, from unity, from completeness, which cannot fall into any category. And from there, he was able to say, I'm always close to this. Now this, I'm always close to this, was translated two different ways, or three different ways. This one of them, Kastanahashi translated this as, I'm always intimate with this. And Maizumi Roshi translated this as, I always take heed. I always take heed. I'm always intimate with this. It's really saying the same thing, but in a different way. And sometimes we have to hear it slightly different. 
in order to change something in us. You know, we call it a turning word. Something has to shift in us. That's the paradigm shift. Something has to shift in us in order to break through and experience a different way of being. We're always close to this. We just don't pay attention. So we sit and pay attention. And then from sitting, we stand up and we want to work on maintaining this paying attention. You know, with Jukai last, last week, and we had, you know, three people who received Rakusu, two of you are here. So the, the question of Rakusu, right, you know, we, what does it do? We, we have a Rakusu, we have another piece of garment, right, which we put on. But what is it really? You know, what's the point of putting on a Rakusu, right? And it has to be profound, it has to be real. We put on the Rakusu and basically all, all it's saying is stop. Just stop. Stop. Don't go anywhere. Stay here. Pay attention. That's all it's saying. That's the sole purpose of having a Rakusu, putting it on. Stop. Stop following your thoughts. Stop following your feelings. Appreciate this. Come back. Partake. And if it's not doing that, we have to inquire. We have to examine. We have to change our relationship with the act of putting on a rakusu. So we're always close to it because we don't pay attention, because we pay too much attention to our thoughts. We become entangled and blinded by them. And we miss what's right in front of us. And it only seems as if this expansiveness is elusive and difficult to come across. But in reality, it's actually a lot more difficult well, life becomes a lot more difficult when we cherish our thoughts, opinions, feelings, beliefs. And the most important point is that when nothing falls into any category, when nothing falls into any category, you, me, what we see, what we think, all of it is seen as one. So when nothing falls into any category, we're able to move and function in accordance with what happens moment by moment. We're able to match the situation as needed. 
and the eyes open, or the eye opens. And then we can be flexible, open-minded, nimble. And that has profound effect on how we, on our, reacti- on our reactivities when we interact with each other. Instead of jumping to react, to say something, we give it space and it subsides. Sometimes nothing is the best thing to say. Just walk with it. That immediate, there's this this intensifying energy or intensification of energy and we feel as if we have to say something right now. But then when we learn through practice to give it space and it subsides, we're like, well, that wasn't that important. You know, they say that when we, after we eat, a portion of food, you have to wait 20 minutes then to know if you're really hungry or not. Maybe with thoughts it's the same. You know, if you wait 20 minutes before you take seconds, it takes about that time for the mind to realize, I'm full, we're good. Right? But, you know, there's a connection between the stomach and the mind and how it works, so it takes a little time. You have to give it the time and space for that to happen. And if you wait 15, 20 minutes, most likely not going to take seconds. Right? And, and the point in this, uh, for us, coming out of Sashin, encountering the mess, To mobilize what we practice, what we encounter, what we get in touch with in Sashin means to give spaciousness to our moment-by-moment interactions. To give spaciousness to our thoughts, to our feelings. To not fixate. To not create absolutes. To not think that we always know what we're talking about. To be open-minded. Or to ask, you know, what am I vested in? If I feel like I have to say it right now, is it true? What is it serving? What is gained by me saying it right now? What is lost by me not saying it? You know, Zen training in general is always pushing us, encouraging us to be intimately close to the one who is always expansive and not to get blindsided by habitual stream of consciousness and tendencies. And it means to not seek it elsewhere. It means to recognize that while I am I may be blindsided or I may be distracted. It doesn't mean that it's not right here, right now. It doesn't mean that if I say this, I will encounter something I want to encounter. No. Often, if I, not, if I don't say anything, I'm more likely to encounter 
in the original record of this uh, koan, the monk asked which of the three bodies expand the Dharma. And what Dongshan was saying is, since I'm always close to this, there is no gap. When there are no gaps, the Dharma is expressing itself through my daily activities. I am it and it is not me. The Dharma, I allow the Dharma to express itself. So when I don't rush to express something or some kind of expression that comes from habits, from karma, then I give rise or I give space for the Dharma to express itself in the way it expresses itself through a rock, a tree, a river, a person. There's a saying, an ancient saying, too much talk degrades virtue. No, Joshua, one of the famous sayings by Joshua is the oak tree in the garden when he was asked, why did Bodhidharma come from the West? Or what's the point of Buddhism? What Buddhism is about? He said the oak tree in the garden. So it became a very famous saying. And later on, after Joshua died, he had one disciple, one successor, and this successor traveled somewhere and uh, somebody heard that he was there and he went to see him and he wanted to know, uh, he said, can you please tell me about uh, this famous saying that your, your master said, the oak tree in the garden? And his successor said, no, he never said that. And it was well known, very well known to everybody that, of course, he said that. And his sole successor said, no, he did not say that. When he was pushed about it, he said, do not disparage the old master. Please, let's leave it alone. You want to inquire about the oak tree in the garden? Open your eyes, look around. Do you really want to inquire or do you want to talk about somebody saying? If you want to inquire, inquire. If you want to talk, what happens to inquiry? I'm always close to this. It's essentially ineffable. You cannot put it into words. I'm always close to this, is I'm always one with this. Any words create the illusion of a gap between me and this. In my dialogue, Master. Shushan asked Dongshan, please teach me words, word that does not yet exist. Dongshan said, no. No one would agree. Then, then can it be approached or not? And Dongshan said, can you approach it right now? And Shushan said, if not, if not, still there is no way to avoid it. And Dongshan agreed. 
Can you approach it right now? Always comes down to that. And there's no way to avoid it because there's never been a gap between you and you. The only distractions. In a verse on this, Master Bowing Yong said, the closeness is heartbreaking. Why does ultimate familiarity seem like enmity? From beginning to end, the whole face has no color or shape. Maybe the most profound line here is, why does ultimate familiarity seem like enmity? And this is heartbreaking. That we're always close to this. Yet we act as if we're not. What's heartbreaking is that there is another way to be with ourselves, with each other. It's heartbreaking that we spend so much time and so much energy cultivating nonsense, cultivating hatred, cultivating gaps, cultivating self-deprecating thoughts, cultivating on and on and on and on and on. And all of it leads to further suffering. Because it's not true. It simply is not true. And as always, not because I'm saying it, not because we chant it, not because it is in the sutra, because it's simply not true. And practice is asking you, each of us, to verify that by ourselves. See for yourself that this is not true. See for yourself that the truth is unity. And back to Sishin. This is what we do. We allow each other to see for ourselves. We encourage each other. So, so what do we bring from Sashin? Well, hopefully nothing, right? And then this is what we want to express. What did you learn in Sashin? Nothing. And I am going to devote my life to expressing that. That's the lesson. Every seat, every Sashin, every chant, every part of practice, every aspect of practice is teaching us nothingness, which we have to commit to expressing outside of the center, outside of the monastery. So I will end with uh, teachings from Shantideva. He says, when one intends to move or when one intends to speak, one should first examine one's own mind, then act appropriately with composure. When one sees one's mind to be attached or repulsed, then one should neither act nor speak, but remain still like a piece of wood. When my mind is haughty, sarcastic, full of conceit and arrogance, 
ridiculing, evasive or deceitful, when it is inclined to boast, or when it is intolerant of others, abusive and irritable, then I should remain still like a piece of wood. When my mind is averse to the interest of others and seeks my own self-interest, or when it wishes to speak out of desire for an audience, then I will remain still like a piece of wood. When it is impatient, indolent, timid, or biased in my own, to my own favor, then I will remain still like a piece of wood. Thank you. Do not squander your 